have some very interesting and incredible guests. Um, so I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, some of them are We've done about, I don't know, close to 3,000 years over the years. And I think um, people tend to appreciate the music. Here goes for today. I have a very interesting group of people with me this moment for an interview concerning a very interesting uh, a program aimed at both highlighting the work of local artists, but also um, generating some support for um, a very important voting initiative. There's nothing we can think of right now that's more important than voting. At least some of us think that way, and I do. Um, and apparently Brandon Sertain, who, is that the right pronunciation, Brandon Sertain? Yes, ma'am, it is. Great. Um, uh, and, and with um, Emery Gluck and Carolyn, your last name is? Morris. Moore? Morris. <laughs> Morris. So um, these folks have um, put this program together and um, I want to hear more about it and then uh, and see where it might lead. So Brendan, tell me um, the genesis of the idea. Um, apparently you have a football background. That of course is always fascinating to people that uh, people in athletic sports uh, can also be creatives. And you're not the only one. I'm convinced that Zion is going to go in your footsteps because uh, when he first came here, he talked about dancing. Turns out he studied poetry and he definitely has an arts interest. So um, I, I, you're not the only one. And so I'm fascinated about um, tuning in on this kind of athletic creative thing. But um, tell, me, tell me about uh, that athletic creative thing in, in, in your life. How did, this, how did this evolve? And then how did this program evolve? Uh, so briefly about the athletic creative thing, that's, um, I can't really take much credit for that. Um, just growing up in, in New Orleans, uh, I had a lot of cousins around me that were playing football and so I wanted to be like them and I had some friends who were much better artists than I was and I would just try to emulate, em emulate their drawings and, um, just kept going with both. <laughs> Fast forward, um, I ended up playing football at LSU and um, being an art major. And so a lot, you know, I can't take much credit for any of that. Uh, I, so. I think you have to because that is an unusual combination. And um, I mean, to do both, how did you explain that to your friends when you were in college? I'm just curious. It, well, they were it, so funny enough. A lot of uh, a lot of the guys on the team, for example, were interested in the arts, but it's um, not strongly encouraged um, just because of the hours and um, a lot of the classes they sort of push you to take are classes that work around the football schedule and art classes are three or four hours long and they don't quite work around that schedule and so um that you know i was one of the few but then they would come to the studio after practice and waste my paint so um that was, <laughs> that was always fun but the but the show was um conceived of around the time of george floyd's murder and um Emily and Carl, y'all can chime in at any point. <laughs> um, we 
we were beginning to have conversations. Um, early on, I can remember Emery and I having a conversation just around the social um, climate at the time. Um, there was a lot of angst in the air and sort of unrest, and we were just trying to figure out what what we can do, what can be done, um, what can we bring to the table as artists. And within the same time, um, Carlin and I started having conversations. Uh, we were Instagram friends, actually. And um, Carlin reached out to me. We were also having a similar conversation, just uh, kind of talking about um, just brainstorming uh, in what way can we use the arts to to help um, to help people to kind of help push the conversation forward and one day Emery invited me out to a protest uh, that was being held by mobilizing millennials um, and Emery could you help me out talk a little bit about how you found them I, I kind of stumbled upon this event. I like saw it on social media and it was on Juneteenth and it just seemed like something, I, it just kind of spoke to me as something that I wanted to do and attend. And Brent and I had been to a few other protests together. And so we were kind of <laughs> buddies with that one. Um, and so we went together on this, to this rally and we were just so impressed with this group of young people and you know, how they had like really like created such amazing energy for this rally and we met and they spoke and they had so many incredible speakers. Um, and everyone was so young, which really stood out to us. And the rally was really centered around protecting black trans lives, um, which, you know, I think is something that at, a point in June had been sort of overlooked. Um, and so they were, you know, trying to bring attention to that, which really stood out to us. And then we realized as we were marching that we were marching to go vote. They had, or to go register to vote. And so they had everything set up to be completely ready for this group of young people to register to vote. They had all, all kinds of information. Um, and we were just really impressed with them. And so this was sort of as we were working on this idea for the show and we were kind of, we knew we wanted to support a local black organization. We just weren't sure who. Um, and so this group, Mobilizing Millennials, kind of just came to us and seemed like a really great option. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how that came to be. Are they a relatively new organization that was organized um, as a response to the uh, Floyd uh, event and to um, uh, Black Lives Matter in general, or do they pre-exist and they uh, decided to do a project in relation to it? I believe that they were an organization before everything. I think um, having these rallies, though, around George Floyd's death really did give them a bit of momentum um but yeah they've been doing great things for a while um so you made that decision to commit to work with them 
meantime, uh, Brandon's got this arts background, and I guess do do you and uh, Carolyn, do you have something of an arts uh, in, engagement as well? Are you artists? Yeah, we're all artists. <laughs> so I think a big part of the conversation was, you know, I think everyone was sort of trying to figure out what like what they could do, and we were like, what is what is artists' role here? Like, how can we make significant, lasting change? Um, as artists, and that's sort of the question that fueled this. Fantastic! So I, I love the the whole combination of of dealing with the political situation, of um, the the um, combining of an athletic and an arts. What I want to know now is about the artists that um, you have uh, brought together uh, in the show. Who they are, how you found them. And if there is some way of characterizing them, whether they're folks, did you do an open call? Um, did one artist lead to another? Um, who are they? Uh, Carly, right. you want to talk a little bit about our sort of process? Yeah, so Brandon and I, like early on, decided that we just make an Instagram and, you know, talk to some people that we knew that were artists. And I reached out to because I'm a student still, I'm a junior at Tulane, and I reached out to some artist friends that I knew there, so like some younger people, and then we just put out a post on Instagram, Brandon and I both did on our Instagrams, and you know, Brandon has a lot of connections, or people that are willing to work and want to work with us, you know, and it just kind of got, like it just grew really fast, and there were all of these I mean, mostly, you know, New Orleans locals who've been thinking the same thing. And the age range, like, of our artists is also pretty fascinating. Like, we have some artists in their late 40s, you know, like, just such a range. And I don't know. So, so not just young folks, but all over the age. Yeah. I would it's primarily young artists though which I think really yeah. stood out to us and was really impressive to us mm -hmm. yeah. and that's that's what interests me because again as I said I know a lot of artists in town but um, I know that there's a lot of younger artists coming up that I, I don't know mm -hmm. are many of them graduates from uh, programs here in New Orleans or they came here or they are self-taught uh, how would you describe that mix I would say it's a lot of young local artists um, from all kinds of different institutions. I'm not totally sure. Um, you know, a group of them are students at the Materials Institute. There are a few Tulane alum. Um, and I think mainly it's just all of us sort of pooling the artists that we knew and then we're kind of traveling, friends telling friends telling friends. Um, it really it was all via social media, which was really cool to watch. It, it's fascinating that so much of what's happening now is so much more spontaneous. Um, I've been involved in a lot of organizing way back to the Vietnam War days. Yes, that's how old I am. Um, and uh, it, it took um, a, a lot more mimeographing and, um, you know, whole different kinds of processes of organizing. But now things do seem to be much more spontaneous because of the way social media works. However, then the question is, how does it sustain? 
So um, first of all, what kind of response are you getting? What, what are, 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 have people come up to see the show? Are they looking at it online? Give me some kind of feedback on your, um, the effect, the impact. I am kind of the one looking at all of the analytics on our website and our Instagram. We, I mean, from the beginning, we're overwhelmed with interest from artists wanting to su submit work. We had over about 70 artists express interest and in that the final show has about 50 participating artists. Um, our Instagram, I think you can see like the number of people viewing per week and like in the past week we've had 1500 page views. Um, our website, we've had 700 unique visitors since our website went live in less than a week ago. Um, so it is really cool to see the interest that's generated and we've had multiple people reach out to us about wanting to buy the work, which is very exciting. Uh, Brandon, what happens well first of all let's let's how does how does the money because this is people are always concerned about this how is that money going to get from um your register to the artists and how are you um are the artists determining their own prices is there kind of a um, a standard price or how how, how, do, how is that working um you colleen want to talk a little bit about sort of our funding structure Sure. Yeah. So we were originally struggling with like how much did we want to donate all of the proceeds to mobilizing millennials, but we agreed that 70% would go to mobilizing millennials and 30% would go back to the artist. Um, Say that again. Give me those percentages again. 70% of the proceeds will go to mobilizing millennials and 30% to the artist. Okay. And since we're doing it auction style, we had everyone kind of set their oh, right, yeah. minimum bid. Right. And then we'll just go from there. Mm -hmm. So whatever percentage they'd want back, you know. Um, but yeah. So we'll see how the auction turns out. But So, so this is a question that is not a fair question. So I don't know if you can even answer it. But if you were to try to characterize in some very broad way um, the work that you're showing as compared with, I don't know, maybe what you might see walking into the Ogden Museum or the CAC or NOMA, how would you characterize it? Anybody? I mean, I think the work is pretty charged. There's a lot of young energy, you can tell. Um, it's all like very fresh, um, which I think is really important for work to be. Um, we did send out a prompt to the artists, uh, which they did an incredible job um, responding to. We just asked they address themes of racism, either systemic or individual, and you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, while keeping in mind that the goal of our show is to encourage hope and a shifting of opinions and culture uh, towards something better. Um, and it's been really, really interesting to see the work as it has come in the past few weeks. So what do you think, um, where, do, where do you go from here? Let's just say you raise some terrific money to help the um, 
millennial uh, uh, effort. And that is channeled primarily, it sounds like it'll be channeled into uh, voter registration and, and get out the vote drive. Um, but what did you learn from this in terms of a potential longer term um, outcome and use for the experience you just had? What, what are you now thinking about, okay, what's next? Well, it's something- you haven't know, you gotten there yet? I know you're just, you're still in the middle. <laughs> Again, maybe not the fairest question, but I'm, I'm also interested, this interview is for the radio show, but it, it also is gonna be used as part of um, research that we're doing on how COVID has um, affected the creative economy and um, how are we gonna come out of COVID? What it, COVID, what is it gonna be like going forward? So I'm curious to see how you all think about that. Right. Um, I mean, a large portion of our goal was with this show and our vision really was, you know, of course, to support mobilizing millennials, but we also, a big part of this is bringing artists together, giving artists purpose or like something to do something, some kind of gathering space, but also, um, you know, promoting them. These, we have a lot of like Brandon said, artists who had never shown before, like haven't had an opportunity to in so long. Um, and so we now have this community of really incredible artists. And, you know, I think something as far as our future plans, we definitely want to like continue to support the artists and like, you know, in whatever ways <laughs> that may be. Um, yeah, Carlin, if you want to talk about some of our ideas that we've been throwing around, the wheels are definitely spinning. Um, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of like just random conversations we've been having with people and just people are so excited. Like we've gotten so many questions, especially um, on Monday when we had our show, the show open to the public, people would come in and they'd say, you know, like what's next, what, like, you need to continue this, it's a great thing. And I personally don't know what's next. I mean, I know I have school, so That's I still hope to be able to continue, but. Well, we all yeah. have another part of our lives, but <laughs> it sounds like something that uh, will become part of yours. Brandon, what about you? Um, exactly. What are you what are you actually doing for a living right now? So you're not playing football. So um, <laughs> uh, just so, guys, um, uh, uh, Carolyn and Emery, both are you both still in school? I graduated two years ago, so I've just been living in New Orleans as an artist, another little job. <laughs> um, okay. So so yeah, give me a, a little bit of a sense of how this. Uh, has impacted you personally and where you see going and, and um, what part of your oh, life you see? Um, it's, it's impacted me um, more profoundly than I expected it to, in part because of the conversations that I've been having with the artists. Um, like it, it's, it's not an insignificant thing to you know, sort of have this community of almost 80 artists um, and be in a position, I think in part because most of it was born digitally, um, 
like maybe if circumstances were different, we would have done a lot of this work on the ground and maybe we wouldn't have reached as many artists. Um, but we had to do it digitally. And so it, you know, helped us reach people that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach. I think early on, we were only trying to target local artists, um, New Orleans artists, but we've had work come in from across the country. Um, we've had people drive in from other towns to submit work and see the show. Um, and again, just sort of hearing, you know, some stories about this show in particular, kind of giving people um, the ability to feel like they were in a safe space to show their work because they know that we and the other artists that they're showing with are sort of thinking along the same lines as they are. And so I've, I've personally been impacted by it because it, it sort of fosters in me a sense of of, of, of almost obligation to be useful to the artists um, after this, because it, like this helped give some people permission to, to create. And so we're starting to think about ways we can leverage, um, you know, leverage this show as well as leverage the artist community. Um, so conversations about community art studios have come up. Um, people who, who own spaces um, have, you know, extended an offer to allow us to use their space for community studios. Um, there's been ideas around networking, around starting an artist co-op. Um, and so it's a, it's a really unique situation. And I, and I think, you know, it's, it's certainly been a really fun thing, but, but it's something that the more I think about it, you know, I think we're in a place where we have to, you know, treat this unique opportunity with care. Um, and so I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> That's how it's impa impacted me. Well, you did sort of answer it. I mean, you weren't specific about your own uh, situation, but um, it, it sounds like this is what's important and on your mind. And so that's the answer. Um, so I'm running out of time. Um, so I have at this point to uh, ask you to um, basically tell me anything that I uh, didn't ask you that you think is important for me to include in um, the show, but also the report that we're going to do uh, from this for um, uh, the Creative Alliance of New Orleans. And offline, I'm going to call you back and um, uh, Brandon, and, and maybe we can have like uh, another uh, informal Zoom and talk a little bit more about what we're doing at the Creative Alliance of New Orleans, because I think there's definitely a relationship between what you're trying to do. And specifically, please do go to our website and look at Artists in View and see that's a virtual tours program. And so it sounds to me like a lot of your artists could be candidates for that. And that's another way of uh, giving them some promotional opportunity because our goal is the same as yours. It is to foster their sustainable careers in New Orleans. Um, it, we are New Orleans oriented metro area. And um, to, uh, to actually help people understand more contemporary abstract work which for some people is intimidating. And so they don't really um, think that they can or should buy the work as they're not confident in their ability to um, evaluate it. But uh, mm -hmm. through short videos, the artist kind of tells 
people what they're thinking and how they came about doing the work or even show how they make their work. So it's interesting. Take a look at it. And so Creative Alliance of New Orleans Artists and View. I'm sorry. That, I'm, that painting behind Emory is hers. Okay. What? Oh, I said the painting behind Emory. That's, that's, her, that's her work. <laughs> I, I, I kind of suspected. <laughs> and it is an interesting work. My, my, my very, very momentary glance at the work that you're showing was interesting. I'm really sorry I missed Monday. I was out of town. You sure you can't have another open day? It, it's a very recent Tulane protocol for COVID. Um, we were disappointed to find out that it would only be open for one day, but everything is on our website. That's where the auction will take place on August 20th. It'll be completely virtual. That was our plan from the get-go, just to keep everything as safe as possible. It reminds me, let's make sure that people who are listening know exactly how to access that. So somebody please spell that out. Yeah, so our website is artforactivism.org. And when you're on our website, you'll see a button at the top that says auction. And you will, on that page, be able to scroll images of the entire show. Um, and if there's one that you would like to place a bid on, you will just click on the image and there will be information about the artist, dimensions, media, et cetera. And there will be a button that says place bid. And on the 20th, bidding will be open and people will submit what their bid is and we will keep it updated with the current highest bid um and it'll be a 24 hour auction from what time 12 p.m to 12 a.m like midnight to midnight on the 20th that's a good way to do it guys i'm blown away i'm very impressed with you all i think it's terrific my husband and i were organizers of the contemporary arts center and we kind of started the same way you did, only not digitally. It was all, you know, real life and cleaning out the toilets ourselves and that kind of thing. So <laughs> I know what it's like to get something started, if not digitally. Good luck with it. I hope you raise a ton of money. Keep me informed as you go forward of what you're doing. I'm going to be very interested in tracking uh, your efforts, uh, however they evolve. And thank you so much for what you're doing. Any Amazing words. Thank really you. Um, follow our Instagram, arts.foractivism. Mm -hmm. That's where we will keep updates coming. Like I said, there are a lot of moving parts. So it's constantly evolving. We want to get um, as much exposure for these artists as possible. You said art.foractivism. Yeah, like a period. Right. Art period mm -hmm. for activism. Brandon. Good luck to you, Emery. Um, your last name is my maternal grandmother's last name. Oh my goodness. Is she Hungarian? Was she yeah. Hungarian? Hungarian. We may be related. Who Probably knows? Because <laughs> and, uh, Carlin, um, really, thank you all for everything you're doing. Thank luck you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you so much. All right. So today um, we have um, uh, uh, partners both, I assume, I think, in marriage and in business. Yes. Uh, I'm caught in the same trap, so I have a little idea of what that's all about. It has its pluses and it has its minuses. <laughs> um, and they are graphic artists, among other things, I'm sure. And um, uh, they are presented to us uh, by our stay local 
uh, friends who are uh, one of the sponsors of our show. They pointed me at you um, and were familiar with what you do. So I'm, I'm looking forward to also becoming familiar with what you do and on our audience's behalf as well. So let's, let's get right to it. Um, Kirsten and Jeremy uh, Melton. And the name of your company is an interesting name. You, you, you say it for me. Uh, it's called Collection of Collections. Collection of <laughs> Collections. It's an, it's an interesting name. I mean, it, 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 so, so first of all, let, tell me about your company and tell me uh, why that name. Um, so funny story, before we even became a creative studio, we actually were selling a lot of vintage, mm -hmm. gently loved, as I say, items. So ah. we would team up with a friend that sold vintage wear at the flea markets or little markets around town. And so that's how we actually started. And we were sitting at home one night and we were looking <laughs> at all of our stuff and we were like, wow, we have a collection of collections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then the markets, the vintage venture didn't really work out for us, but we decided to use both of our collective <laughs> talents um, to turn Collection of Collections into a creative studio. Into, okay, so I, I, it's interesting again that you call it a creative studio as opposed to just a graphics studio. So I presume that that implies that, um, again, you, you have more than one kind of creative pursuit. So tell me about that. Yeah, uh, we, I'm also an artist. Uh, I grew up drawing and I went to like art school. And honestly, I, we just love to create and make things. And part of that creative studio also is like, we're into plants. And we also kind of look at design as like a problem solving solution, right? Here's a solution from problem solving, which then you can kind of, I look at it as you can kind of do anything from that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very good point. And it's more true than ever, uh, because I think um, even before we get to talk a little bit about the COVID situation, um, there are so many major social, environmental, uh, political issues. And art artists are more and more, and I think they always have historically, in more subtle ways maybe. Now it's getting a little bit more direct um, mm -hmm. where artists really want to uh, address these issues and add their creative uh, voices to uh, how to influence folks to think about things that may otherwise um, uh, be kind of off people's radar. So I know my husband does a lot of, he's an artist um, and, and he does a lot of work he calls some of his work um, um, invisible. So he, he, he makes an effort to take things that are invisible and make them visible through his art. So he once painted a whole um, uh, sailboat black um, <laughs> as a way of saying, you know, what's out there on the water is not necessarily visible to you, but it's very important what's going on out there. So, so tell me, yeah, tell me some of the kinds of, uh, projects you've tackled and, and what some of your solutions have been? Um, so we've done a lot of things from logo design, um, branding, yeah. so really working with um, a lot of local clients and some national and 
um, a few international and helping them really um, illustrate their mission and their vision and create that as a visual identity. So with design, you know, we always like to use the Nike check. Um, yeah, where you really want to create a logo or a trademark, or when someone sees it, they automatically know, you know, what the brand or the business is about, their mission or their vision. So it's fun working with clients trying to hone in on just like who they are, just yeah. to help them understand who they are, also just to ask proper questions. Because I also look at it as part therapy in a sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) where you're talking to the client and I always say someone always told me a lot of a lot of times clients don't know what they really want but they could tell you what they don't want so from all of that it's like all right how do we almost like uh you're prepping to cook a big meal right where you have to gather all of your ingredients first and then make the meal so that's how kind of how we look at it as we talk to the client, get as much information about them, or even just that, like their likes, their interests, how their businesses started or whatnot. And then from there, we just start formulating like an image, if that makes sense. So we kind of attack each client differently. So I wouldn't necessarily say that we have like a style per se, so because you know each solution each problem is different so therefore each solution becomes different yeah and beyond just oh sorry as it should be yeah yeah and beyond just branding and logo design um we create posters and flyers Mm -hmm. for events um where we focus on the image as well as the call to action whether it's buy tickets for this event or you know whether it's political or even social just clicking on a link we did a flyer for stay local um called why local um we've done some merchandise yeah some lapel pins um we've also been really diving into doing creative consultations so where we're not exactly designing anything for the client but we're working with their marketing team or the creative team to help guide them in a direction whether it's um, store layout mm-hmm. conceptualizing an idea helping visualize the idea so mm-hmm. yeah because I since I'm it's it's interesting because like what got me into doing all of this too was I always drew as a kid right as Picasso said every child is an artist and from there when i went to college it kind of opened up like the doors for me of there's so much things that i thought art was that i didn't even like know and for me one of my favorite artists of all time is leonardo da vinci and it was because that yeah and i liked him because he was an artist that was able to like translate his thoughts into kind of reality and I feel like as an artist, since I'm able to do something like that, it helps me understand things more as well. Because if I have like a problem of even how to do something, a lot of times I'll draw it out first, right? Like I'll just draw it out first. And then the act of me drawing it out, it's like, oh, I kind of understand it based on, I yeah. kind of constructed it in my drawings. So yeah, that's 
so with that that approach, we kind of do that too, where it's like, all right, like with a client, a lot of times they have the image in in their head or they have this idea, but a lot of times, a lot of people can't necessarily translate it. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you know, let's let's help translate <laughs> what's in yeah. your head down on paper. So you sort of tra- do a translating process in a sense, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so are you all from New Orleans or from somewhere else? What's, what's your, um, what's your, uh, <laughs> your graphic? Yeah. So I actually grew up in North Carolina, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Wow, so many people from the Carolinas here. It is amazing. <laughs> have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> I, have not, I see a lot of North Carolina yeah. license plates. Um, I moved here in 2011. Um, my family is actually from New Orleans and greater New Orleans, Louisiana. So I like to say I have deep ancestral mm-hmm. roots yep. in the city. And um, yeah, my grandparents, I grew up coming to visit, but my grandparents lived in the East. So I really just thought New Orleans was the East and the French Quarter because those <laughs> were the only two places we ever went. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's my background. And I- I'm from here. My f- family and things are from here. My dad was in the m- military, and I think when he just joined the military, we were living in Baton Rouge. So that's where I was b- born. And for like the first few years of my life, we did like a lot of traveling. But we settled here when I was like first, second grade. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the reason I asked that was more in line with um, how has either your past or, or just the years that you've been here influenced your work and your perspective on the interrelationship, again, between your art and um, uh, the, the work that you're doing for a client um, or, or even things that you're doing literally for yourself, because I'm sure you do some projects that are, uh, again, back to your roots as a visual artist, um, Jeremy, that um, you just want to make that is, is not for a client. So, yeah, how, how, well, how does, what has the context of New Orleans been for you in your work? Uh, I would say to, to start off, it's interesting to go back to like the cooking analogy, where I feel like New Orleans food, I, I'm a, again, a huge fan of it. And it's just like, getting these ingredients, because you can have so little ingredients and create multiple different kinds and types of meals, to even the music where I look at it as like jazz, right? Where there's a right and wrong in music terms, but then jazz kind of puts that on its head, right? Where jazz is more like this feeling, this almost like freestyling in a sense. So I kind of look, I kind of approach my art the same way where there's a, a slight structure to it, but there's also room for spontaneity, if that makes sense. So you have a kind of foundation and you work out. Yeah, almost a lot of jazz, not all jazz, but a lot of jazz starts with a fairly common um, theme song, so to speak, and then they riff out of it mm-hmm. and player um, takes it someplace else. So I, I get the analogy perfectly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I think that's a, a fortunate 
uh, ingredient to making art that we have here that maybe some other cities don't have as much of. So that, that makes a difference in your work. You mentioned that you have both local, but you also have some national and international clients. How do you, as a locally based graphics firm, land clients from outside of here? How does that happen? Um, one of our clients, we actually have, they're based out of LA. They're a lawyer um, and they run our restorative justice nonprofit. And they emailed us because they actually found us through Google. <laughs> um, Google search results had our names pop up. I think they were looking for black or POC designers and we came up um, and we formed a relationship. And luckily last year we were in LA for a design conference yeah. and we were actually able to have dinner with them and meet them face to face. Then we do like a, a, a lot of traveling. Yeah. So, you know, people just like just who we are essentially. And then they find out what we do. And then like down the road, they remember that they met us because we gave them like a, a business card or some kind of like mm -hmm. postcard that we made. And uh, yeah, they'll call us back and, you know, ask us to do something yeah. or even uh, like, like a referral from something mm -hmm. from someone else that we did something else for. Yeah, we have a lot of friends that are also in the art and design industry who will mm -hmm. uh, e-introduce us, yeah. <laughs> as I like to say, or yeah. send us a DM via Instagram um, saying that they have a friend looking for a designer and we should reach out. And so, um, yeah, referrals, word of mouth. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So your marketing um, plan and strategy is actually a little bit less kind of formal and more uh, based on, as you said, your personalities, your relationships with people, which isn't uncommon, really. But right. uh, fortunately, it may be a little bit more true for you than it might be for, say, I don't know, you know, a classical Madison Avenue graphics company that right. <laughs> were institutionalized. Um, how 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 has COVID uh, affected you? I mean, it, it's certainly affected all of us in one way or another. Uh, has it been a real hindrance to your business? Uh, has it been an opportunity? Let's let's take it this way. What have the challenges been? How has the change? And and have there been opportunities that are coming out of it? And then we'll talk about the future. Sure. Um, so. When COVID happened, when everything started to shut down, we also found out that we are expecting a baby <laughs> in November. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so right. that was like, oh, exciting, but also mm -hmm. just like, oh my God, we can't hang out with anyone. And then it also, you know, we had a, um, one or two clients that were on retainer, so we work with them quite often. So yeah, there was some panic um, <laughs> about how are we going to get new clients? What's gonna happen? Um, we had this whole plan to just roll out a new marketing plan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we worked with really great marketing consultants over at Grow House Studio uh, the year before. And so, yeah, I mean, there was probably for a month or so, I feel like I, into despair yeah. i was also extremely <laughs> tired but then pregnant but but then also through that process too we started also realizing well we kind of already worked from home uh we also realized we never really had to like go anywhere so that also kind of 
helped us out too because it was like all right when everyone started to adjust working from home you were already, already. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, that's true for, for myself also my myself and my husband both have been working out of home for some time it's a little different when you can't go out to eat though you know? yeah. right <laughs> I miss and then you know from there and then you know we started looking at as a designer also just like all right a lot of times we could do a lot we could do a good 90 percent of this mm-hmm. like from home right here's let's again like talking over a zoom or a phone call and then you know we'll design something and send files electronically online and then even with uh even with like fine art right where I could still talk to a client on the phone or Zoom, and then you know I'll paint for however long. And then I can easily just like send it to them or drop it off. So like in that aspect, it wasn't that crazy. But we also start thinking about like, oh man, like how can we, how do we think about getting new clients? Yeah. And during that time too, like everyone's favorite word too was also like pivoting <laughs> but then also I, I thought about as creatives it's like all right you know we already have this kind of not free-flowing but we kind of just like to create and I feel like as a creator there's always going to be ways for you to create so then we just started looking at different ways of how to create and then like a month or two into quarantine it was like one day we just started getting all these hits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were, I mean, I didn't, we weren't posting on Instagram or yeah. anything and people were coming to our website or people were referring us and we were, or clients that we'd worked with in the past were coming back to us asking mm-hmm. for more work. Um, and so actually I would say around May, mm-hmm. we- you had a rush. Yeah, yeah, we had a rush and I was- yeah extremely thankful and I'm feel so blessed and privileged to be able to be working right now um yeah we had a rush I mean we're busy up until September October so um but before then we were definitely thinking about ways to adapt um whether it was you know we had our two clients that we had been working with um but also just thinking about our own projects that we wanted to focus on internally. Um, about three years ago, speaking of how Louisiana and New Orleans has influenced us, I would not call myself a professional writer, but I enjoy writing um, and we enjoy gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, we are amateur urban <laughs> farmers. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I would like to call ourselves like- a book on urban farming. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we started a a blog actually called Black People with Plants. dot com. Black people who plant. Black people with plants. With plants, okay. Yeah, um, and that was really just from our own research yeah. and not really seeing people that looked like us represented um, in horticulture, gardening, any of that. Even though we know that mm-hmm. we exist in those. And then also just the information that we were finding about plants, they were using it more so for like aesthetics rather than like, you know, like plants are super duper beneficial, right? They, they could clean air, like they could renew your soil. And especially yeah. in a place like, you know, New Orleans where you would, you want to plant a lot of stuff, especially outside that, attracts that that soaks up a lot of water 
or you know just like all these different things so from there yeah we just started it was it was like it started out as like a passion project where we started having a lot of house plants and then from there one day i was thinking like oh we should like start trying to grow our own food and then from there one day i just decided like why do we cut grass <laughs> right and one day like i just stopped cutting our grass and just to experiment and see what happens and then from there it was like use like this ecosystem started growing because of that we had all of these we had like a nice ecosystem of like bees and like all these insects mm -hmm. that was also help pollinating our, our flowers pollinating our different fruits and veggies and we didn't we never we tried not to use pesticides actually we never used any pesticides and we started also realizing the more plants that we can also attract that are predators that also eat these things and you know that that definitely helps out and then it was funny because when when we first started doing it it was like some of our neighbors were like, you know, like, what's going on here, right? Well, yeah. but then it's funny because now, several years later, especially with the pandemic, it was like, oh, like, all of this makes sense now. Like, growing our own food, we don't have to go to the store as often, saving a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and also with gardening, too, we were able to translate our design and creativity yeah. into our yard. We call it freeform gardening. <laughs> yeah. um, but then again, with the blog, we wanted to, we knew that other people like us existed, mm -hmm. exist and existed. And so we started out doing interviews with people, um, friends and people that were acquaintances in the city. And right now we've been doing some more historical research. Um, on black farmers in Louisiana, um, yeah. in New Orleans, we had plans, we still have plans, <laughs> on creating a small guidebook um, on Louisiana's black farming cooperatives. Um, before the pandemic, we had plans to travel around Louisiana. Mm -hmm. To go to different farms, talk to different yeah. farmers. And it was going to be a guidebook just telling a brief history as well as including illustrations and graphics. So um, yeah, so to tie that all up, that's <laughs> something we were, if we didn't have more client work, we were just gonna focus heavily on, on, that. on that project. Right, I think I'm frustrated with the fact that a lot of people think of New Orleans just in terms of music and food. Right. They don't know about our architecture to say until they get here. Um, right. They don't really know about our visual arts and they really don't know about our green. We're a very green city. And one of the first ways we felt good about New Orleans and our future after the storm was starting to see people planting flowers and bushes in front of their houses again. So um, I think it's really important to us here. It's important to anybody anywhere, but, and I, I and actually, yeah, I think your book would actually have important national sales and maybe beyond because um, you know, a lot of people live in apartments, but a lot of people have little strips of green around their house and they can now deal with. So um, I'm, I'm encouraging you because I'd like to buy your book. <laughs> Note I need, it. I need another gardening book in my book. <laughs> yeah. Note it. Um, so challenges and opportunities. So uh, of, of COVID, it looks like you had to really uh, think about, um, you know, 
if this doesn't work, what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. And then ironically, business started flowing back in, but you're still working on these creative projects. How, how about the future? How do you see things going? What is your vision for your company uh, in general? And um, how has it been, uh, if at all, reshaped by your COVID experience? Um, I would say that even before the pandemic, we had really been thinking about doing more consultation work, um, design, and a lot of creative services are and can be pretty expensive. Um, and we thought if we came in as consultants, they wouldn't have to pay such a high price that they would still be able to get a better understanding of design or we would be able to help them solve their problems creatively by either working with um, their in-house marketing person mm -hmm. or um, even themselves if it's a small business. Because also, not to cut you off, but a lot of times too, you know, there's different apps where, you know, you could design something. But again, it's a lot of people find those kind of like intim intimidating and at first, we were looking at those programs as like, oh man, like that could be competition. But then you realize like, no, like that's just like another tool. And like, you know, nothing really beats just having that knowledge or, or whatnot. So we also kind of trying to position ourselves to even just get people to understand just like an intro to design, right? Why having good design is beneficial, but at the same time, good design doesn't necessarily have to be very expensive but then at the same time good design will also help you able to grow right because good design will also grow with you and then it's like yeah in the future you could you know we could do something yeah <laughs> and we've also been talking and just you know um well we're very thankful for the clients that we have mm -hmm. but there have been some digital challenges um especially where we're also two very hands-on mm -hmm. people um, and a few of the projects we've been working on, it's like, um, you know, it would be great if we could all come together yeah. in the office yeah. to touch things and yeah. really like do whiteboards and mood boards and all mm -hmm. of those things. So just really thinking about how to adapt to the digital sphere. You know, there's going to be more Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. There's going to be... Um, a lot more digital dialogue happening because a, a, a lot of stuff also can get lost in translation because like I, I still feel like I'm an old school person like I still would prefer to like meet in person you know you could mm -hmm. read a lot about a person and and like you could say something but then type the same thing and it could be taken like name me one project coming up that's either on the boards already or that you would like to see happen that you want to just give us an example of a creative project that in a way personifies your interests and your strategies and how you do things give me one anecdotal example why is it so simple like gardening yeah plants i was yeah something with gardening or plants Again, going back to black people with plants um, and just incorporating our love for gardening, writing, history, illustrations, um, and hopefully um, working with other local black 
um, indigenous gardeners either helping promote the work that they're doing in their communities on our website um, or through social distance volunteer yeah. work. Um, yeah, because it's it's been interesting because the reason why I brought up gardening because just also because like I love to be on our porch and it's always interesting seeing different people walk up to or walk past our, our gardening, our garden, and you see like these genuine reactions, right? And like how you said earlier where New Orleans is such a green city and just growing up here, I remember it was almost kind of like greener and then the further generations you you go back they also have different affinities for these different greenery objects or different fruit trees that a grandparent had or mm -hmm. for example we last year we planted some sh sugar cane in our yard and it's and it's interesting seeing how many people eyes light up and or people that's like oh i used to chew this as a kid and mm -hmm. i didn't know where to like find these and even to equate that back to design as well, just like the placement of those objects or, or of those plants in our yard, the different textures to the different heights, and even just to solve the problem of like, because a lot, of, we started also growing a lot of things in pots to also just show that like, you know, you could grow a lot of food as well, just in pots. So even if you had a small space, you're like, you don't necessarily need acres because our yard definitely isn't that huge. But you know. you <laughs> oh, we live uptown mm -hmm. off of uh, Perrette Street. Mm -hmm. And it's and yeah, it's it's interesting because you know people have this notion of you know you 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 need acreage, but like no, nah, because you, you you really don't need that that much. And just as a d designer to go back to bring it back to design is also like problem solving, right? Like how do I solve this issue of like, you know, how do I grow something with very minimal space? And then from there, you just, I look at this, all right, then we just kind of expand it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, guys. I'm fascinated. And I hope that um, some folks who hear you on our, our radio show, Collection of Collections, is that your website? Uh, uh, how do people find you on the website? Uh, it's collection of collections dot net. Dot net. Mm -hmm. Okay, dot net. And Instagram, which I, yeah. Okay. Um, so um, I hope that uh, let me know if you get some business from your interview. I'd love to. Ah. Thank, thank you, for having us. Thank, thank you, you so much for the opportunity. And thanks to Marianne at yeah. Stay Local, too. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. I thank you to Marianne also for um, getting you on our radar. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Some good information, maybe a little fun. And um, I wanted to let you know that we have a newsletter that goes out just in advance of the show. You can sign up for it simply by going to crosstownconvos at gmail.com. And uh, it's got a lot more stuff in it, a lot more articles and images and uh, information on the guests who are on. So um, think about it. Sign up if you'd like. Um, Gene Nathan for Crosstown Conversations on WBOK, what we're talking about.